Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 175, helping kids to hear God. Hello, welcome to that Hole in My Heart podcast where we talk about how the gospel is good news for everyone every day, including those kids. I am your host, Lori Krieg, and Matt's not here. He is with our kids, but we do have the most professional radio voice among us, not a child, (laughs) producer Steve. Hi, guys. I thought about trying to put on a little kid voice. (laughs) I feel like it would have been a little creepy. That would have. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, man, guys, I am excited to talk about discipling kids. If you are not a parent, this is still an episode that is for you uh, because we are called to disciple the next generation. So today with Dr. Michelle Anthony, who is an author, pastor, teacher, she is going to explore with us this idea of building a gospel-centered identity now in these kids in 2021 when they are just barraged with so many different voices. Also, this was the question that I was most excited to ask her was, how do we help kids to hear God's voice? I want my kids to hear God's voice. Don't you want your kids to hear God's voice, Steve? Mm-hmm. I really For do. sure. Because yeah. they're not going to be with me forever, and they're going to be out on their own, and Mama Bear needs to sleep at night. So I really want them to know God. Uh, and we're going to talk about spiritual parenting versus fear-based or like hunker-down parenting, which it's never been more enticing than these days. But man, this is going to be a great conversation. Guys, I am so excited to welcome to the show today Dr. Michelle Anthony. She is the pastor of Family Ministries at New Life Church. She's the author of Spiritual Parenting, which we're going to dive into today. Uh, also the author of The Big God Story, Becoming a Spiritually Healthy Family. I think that needs to be my next book of yours I need to read. And her newest book, Seven Family Ministry Essentials. She has over 30 years of church ministry and leadership experience in children's and family ministries and graduate degrees in Christian education, Bible and theology from Talbot School of Theology and Southern Seminary. And in her free time, I just told her that this sounds like the dream to me, but in her free time, Michelle enjoys being with her family, reading a good book, uh uh-huh, and the beach while drinking a strong cup of coffee. Man, Michelle, welcome. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for having me today. Oh, man, I'm so glad to have you and can't wait to dive deep into this conversation. I loved uh, your book about becoming um, just spiritual parenting. That one is, is, I just have a lot of questions that we're going to get into, but let's let's just tiptoe in by asking our question of the week from last week, get to know you a little better in kind of a quirky way and our audience better. And here's the question of the week from last week. Is there a right way to load the dishwasher? And if so, who's the one in your family that does it correctly? (laughs) Okay, well, that's a funny question because I probably think there is a right way. Um, Like how the silverware is down so you don't touch the actual eating part when you pull it out and glasses on top and bigger things. But um, during um, our quarantine time, my husband started doing all the dishes and it's kind of just stuck. Like, I don't think he's realized that he still does them. <laughs> and so I just let him do it however he wants. Cause I haven't done dishes in like a year. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I straight up love the pandemic pieces of it, pieces of it. <laughs> this part. I know he's just got it. So I don't even care how loaded and unloaded. So I don't even see it. So it's perfect. That's awesome. Steve, we talked last week, we did a little preemptive strike on this, but so I'd like to hear which audience member though Mm -hmm. stood out to you and what's, what's 
What's your deal with dishes? Well, okay. Eric said uh, the answer to this is yes, there is a proper way. The proper way is to load it to optimize space without overloading it at the same time. And he says, with five kids in the house, all responsible for a day of the week, it is often not loaded the way I would do it. But honestly, I'm happy someone else is chipping in. So, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like he compromises yeah. on the, you know, perfection of loading because someone else is doing it. That's it. And for us, we don't have and never have had a dishwasher. So, huh. um, wow. I, I know we just have lived in an old house where there doesn't seem to be a good place for it. But Kelly would like one just to be able to hide the dirty dishes. So. Oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> I liked this from Sabrina. She said, oh, my word, Jeff, which is her husband, would definitely say he does it the right way. I actually don't load it that often because I drive him crazy. So that is a similar sort of sentiment as our house is I load it and then Matt just stands there and sighs. And then <laughs> I'm like, what? And he just edits my dish washing but I'm like come on I, th I think we need to have more gratitude like Eric says yeah. about his kids I don't know Matt's the master of Tetris okay let's go ahead and dive in uh the purpose of our podcast is to talk about how the gospel is good news for everybody every day so we've been asking everybody who comes on this podcast this set of questions which is this Michelle uh if the gospel is on more love than I imagine and yet more sinful than I believe when was that good news of the gospel first good news for you? And how is it still today? Mm, that's such a good question. I, I, it's probably my most favorite thing to talk about is the gospel. I try to weave it into every conversation and every moment of life. Um, because I do think I internalized the gospel as um, just the four books in the Bible and really focusing on the death and resurrection of Jesus, but not like the whole story or my whole life. Mm -hmm. So I think as a little girl, I received God's love. Um, but as I got older and maybe um, college years really is when I understood grace and I really understood the price that grace is um, the Dietrich Bonhoeffer calls it like there's no cheap grace, mm -hmm. you know, and then the cost and that was required to give that to us. So I think college was really an awakening for me of understanding all of scripture as the gospel, not just a selected portion, which then made it all of my life too, because I can't just take a selected little piece out of my life where I need grace because I think I need grace. I need grace just to breathe today. I need grace in every moment. And I would say today I'm walking in grace, um, just becoming a grandparent six months ago for Aww. the first time Congrats. and wanting to do that. Well, thank you. <laughs> I'm wanting to do that well. And and um, what it means to do later stages of marriage, we're going to be like 33 years and, mm -hmm. and also just understanding um, I've had some physical injuries this year and just being in pain and understand that it's true that his grace is sufficient for today. Wow. And um, yeah. And then the older you get, you just realize the more simple you really are because you start looking at motives rather than actions and, so I was, yeah, all those pieces right now together. Mm. I want to hear more, especially about that last piece about motives and oh. actions. So we'll see if God circles us back there. Uh, okay. But this spiritual 
parenting book that I really just chewed on uh, this weekend deeply. Um, I'm a parent of a six, four and one year, one year old. My husband and I are, uh, and we have a lot of people in our lives who are single married, but are helping us to disciple these kids and have other kids in their life. Um, and I think they could really receive a lot from this book. Uh, but it was written over 10 years ago or probably, you know, yeah, it was written over 10 years ago. So what are you still hearing as far as feedback of parents now, disciple makers now who are still chewing on this book? What are, what are they like, really like, oh man, Michelle, this was a real nugget. Yeah, it's crazy because you're right. It's about, well, yeah, 11 years this right now. And, um, but there's something about it that's timeless and, even when I wrote it, some of the, you know, the people at the publishing company, when I was speaking, people older, wiser parents than me at the time would say, this is timeless. And it's timeless because it's, it's not my opinions. This book is not my opinion about parenting and it's not really tactical either. It's, it's really spiritual. That's, that's the title, right? But it was really just trying to assimilate biblical truths of what I knew about scripture into everyday life. And I think when moms or dads contact me now, um, they'll say, they'll say probably the biggest aha for them is that a, they're not doing this alone. And I think sometimes we feel isolated and alone in our parenting. Um, B it's not all dependent upon me. So Mm -hmm. I I can neither pat myself on the back if I'm getting it right, but I, I don't have to beat myself up every day if I, if I'm getting it wrong and that's where that grace piece comes in again, God's grace covers our gaps when we are surrendered to him and we're genuinely seeking him. We don't have to be perfect parents. So I I think there's kind of a freedom in that, that parents experience and also a desire, I'd say thirdly to um, reconnect with God himself because that kind of that understanding that we can't give away something that we don't have. Mm-hmm. We can't give it to our children if we're not experiencing it our, ourselves. Okay. So I, I think those are the things that still resonate with people and they're timeless truths about who Jesus is and how he wants to come alongside of us in our parenting journey. Mm. Well, I need that. And I know anyone who's <laughs> discipling kids needs that. Um, and I um, have the privilege of coaching parents who are walking with their kids who are wrestling with some really tough stuff. And when the parents are in this tough space, I hear in their wrestling a previous wrestling that they've done with their entire approach to the world. And it tends to be, I think we as parents were like, ah, we see the evil in the world and we want to... Um, We want to protect our kids from it, but I'm just going to quote you. You say, spiritual parenting doesn't ignore the world's depravity, but spiritual parenting also does not say hunker down and hide. So what is, we've said it many times now, what then is spiritual parenting? Mm. Spiritual parenting is, is parenting with a different perspective than the world would give us. Um, it's saying the perspective is is a, a spiritual one. So it's not merely about helping my child be successful um, in this life, but the life to come. So it's it's recognizing that our children are eternal beings and their spirit is the most important thing about them and their relationship with God. 
and all the other things fall in line. It's seek his kingdom first and all these other things will be given to you. So it's the perspective of like, they have a soul. This is a spiritual being. And then, and it's not just their behavior or, or how well they do in school or all those things. Although those are important, they're not as important. It's a spiritual perspective because it, it also says that I'm not going to go it alone. I'm not trying to be the best parent in the world or a perfect parent or a parent that I can pin up all my things on Pinterest or, you know, declare on social media. It means I have an audience of one. Mm -hmm. It means I'm not parenting for the whole world to say I'm a good parent. I'm parenting before God to say, I'm, I'm really taking seriously that you entrusted this child to me or to us as a family. And God, you're the only person that knows everything about this child from all the days that they will live, the the trials that they will encounter, the gifts that you've given this child, all the things, personality, biochemistry, everything. You're the only one who knows that. And so I'm going to partner with you to parent this child the way that you would have had me parent this child if you were doing it yourself. And that's really different than trying to impress everyone or to trying to get it right, because what is right anyway? And Mm -hmm. it's very personalized and it's done in concert with the Holy Spirit. Mm. Okay, but that's really, really hard. Like I, I just, you know, I picture myself, I picture parents listening, I picture youth leaders who maybe don't have kids, but they are discipling kids. And like, maybe, maybe we're like, okay, I don't need my kid to go to Harvard and be a quote unquote success, but I just want them, you know, kids are so depressed, anxious, suicidal, and lost. I just want my kid to not like want to die, <laughs> you know, like yeah. how do we do that without micromanaging their existence. Right. Well, I think, you know, what I just said is like this, this kind of overarching thing that's like, yeah, well, that sounds good. What does that look like in real life? And that's what you're asking. And, but I think we can't miss what the overarching piece is because I do think sometimes we go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm partnering with God to raise my child and he's the only one, but I think we lose the weight of what that really is. And so practically speaking, um, you know, I tell a story in my book about how I had this aha moment that I did not have what it took to raise my strong-willed daughter. And by four, she was like owning me. And I, I just thought like, how, how are we going to actually do this and get through every day? And I, I was desperate. And I remember she said, you know, I don't have to obey you because you're only third in charge. And at four years old, I, I was like, what do you mean you're only third in charge? I'm third in charge. And she said, first, God is in charge, then daddy, then you. Hmm. And her point was, she was being snotty to say she didn't have to obey me. But out of her mouth came these words, first, God is in charge. And I remember that day speaking to him, falling on my knees and speaking to him as if, as if he actually was the one in charge of parenting my daughter. And that I'm just the hands and feet of that. So that really changed it. And in every moment, I, I'll tell you, Lori, like I would say, dear first in charge, I don't know what to do in this moment. Will you help me? Dear first in charge, give me insight into her heart 
or her motives or what's what's hurting her right now or why she's acting out in anger or whatever it was. And, you know, then my son came along and the same thing, but he's a totally different child, a different person. But it was moment by moment. It was really seeking wisdom. And I think the other thing is just looking at our children as humans. I I sometimes think we we interact with our children differently than we would if a friend told us something. Um, if a friend said, you know, I'm really upset or I'm really angry or I'm really whatever, we would we would listen to them and we would say, tell me about it. And I'm so sorry you're hurting and you're angry because you're hurt. And we would talk it through with them. But sometimes our children, we just want to correct their behavior and say, well, you shouldn't be angry and you need to apologize. And we we kind of subvert the whole process in which human beings kind of come to those conclusions. And so I started looking more at my children as people. I don't have to control their behavior. If they're angry, that's an emotion that I want to talk about why. And it's time consuming, but we really get down on their level and we listen to them and we have conversations and we look them in the eye and we let them know that they're being heard mm. and that there's no bad emotions and good emotions. They're just emotions. And what do we do with those? Mm. Which if we don't believe that as parents, that there's no bad emotions, there's just emotions. We're not going to be able to teach that to our kids. Right, right. And and that's where where we have to get away from performing for God or others too. And really just being honest and real and understanding the complexity of our of our mind and our body and how those things interact in a spiritual way too. And and you know, I was recently talking to a counselor friend of mine about some trauma, like delayed trauma that that I'm experiencing, but also people in my ministry. And then obviously coming out of this last season, um, a lot of delayed grief and different things. And he said, you know, if, if the, if Christians really did what we're asked to do um, scripturally, then he said, you guys would put me out of business (laughs) because a lot of counseling is, talking it through with a person who's willing to listen and not judge over a long period of time, over and over again, the same story and allowing the Holy Spirit to kind of bring that health and healing. And I just, I don't know if we give our kids enough time to really talk through it because we want them to get to the other side so fast. You know, it's hard to see our kids in pain. And so we want to fix it. We want to have one conversation and it's fixed um, either for time or the behaviors are not appealing or we just don't want them to hurt anymore. Mm-hmm. But it, he said a long period of time with a trusted f- friend that's not judging you and allowing you just to be raw. And I, I think parents are the best pastors and counselors for their kids when they can actually do that and do it for themselves, like you said. Mm. So I want my kids to know how to hear God's voice. And you, you refer that or to that idea a few t- several times in your book. And I've seen you post recently about that, like just making room for kids to hear from the Holy Spirit. How can we do that as parents? It's a huge question. But what's, what's a way we can help our kids to hear the voice of God? Yeah, some real practical ways. 
um, one is to not be the voice of God. <laughs> so, so for example, I, I remember asking my daughter, like, how do you hear the voice? How do you hear the voice of God? Or what does it sound like? Or what, you know, what is that to you? And she's like, she thought for a while and she goes, well, mom, to be honest, God's voice sounds a lot like yours. <laughs> and I started thinking, wow, that's so, that's so sad to me that <laughs> the voice of God sounds like mine. And it's because I'm always in her head. Right. And I think from that point on, I really wanted to to not just jump in when she had a question or she needed help and be that answer, like, dun, 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 here I am, I have great answers and I'm going to fix it. But to say, let have we considered what does God say about this? Have you prayed about it? Um, have you, let's look in God's word together. And Again, it takes longer because in a situation where I think I know what the answer is, I can just tell her. And, and there were times when my kids would be like, I know what you're trying to do as they got older. I know what you're trying to do. Just tell me. <laughs> and and I, but I, I would explain like, no, I need you to build that muscle. Like the reason I know some things and I have some wisdom is because I had to actually use those muscles and I had to walk through that. And I want you to have those muscles, those faith muscles. And so it's my very first question. Um, my daughter's 30. My son is 28. And they still call, you know, me or my husband. What do you think we should do? And the very first question I ask is, have you asked God first? And sometimes they'll say yes. And sometimes they'll say no. But if they say no, I say, okay, do that first. And and then call me back tomorrow or the next day. And But I said, I'm happy to talk through the processing of it, but I want to hear what God has to say about that first. You know, I think investigating God's word, what does God's word say about this issue? You know, and have they really looked up those scriptures for themselves? Have they sat in those? And we all want a quick fix, right? If you can call someone who's wiser and knows more, that's easier than doing it yourself. So I think there's that. And then I think the other way is um, because our kids are unique, they hear God's voice in different ways. So kind of being attuned to how kids do this. And so my daughter loves music. And so I think she really heard God's voice in worship. So she'd have worship music playing or she loved that part of church or just putting it on her house. And I think that cultivates a space for her to hear his voice. Um, my son really loves nature. If he's out in the at the beach or if he's out in the mountains or wherever he is, that's his space. That's where he goes. And so helping our kids know where that little sacred space is also creates conversations about that. And so we have to be attuned. When do they seem spiritually curious? Um, is it when you're playing worship, when you're having conversations, when you're reading God's word, when they're with other fellow believers, when they're in nature, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. I think those are two ways we can cultivate listening for God's voice. That's really helpful. And I'm already like thinking of ideas for my kids. <laughs> so identity, I, um, I have a, a big grieving heart and yet still hopeful because God always hopes um, for this next generation when it comes to identity because there's such enormous pressure on them to figure mm -hmm. out who they are. They're, to, 
choose their gender to like figure out their attractions at like 10 at maybe younger. And it's, they're getting assaulted, barraged with so much. And I just grieve, grieve, grieve. And so if I picture my own kids or, um, kids that people who are listening, they're, they're discipling, they're out in this barrage, this machine gun of decisions they like have to make right now. And what you're talking about is slow and gentle and patient. Can you help us? How how can we cultivate what you're talking about in this context, in this cultural context? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I share that grief with you, Lori, and it's, it is something parents, grandparents, um, spiritual leaders, we need to be praying for this generation to protect their minds and their hearts against this. And I, I do feel hopeful. I think, I think you just said it so beautifully. It's slow and it's gentle and it's intentional. And I think as parents, when our kids are young, I'll kind of go through different stages, but when our kids are young, I think declaring over them, like you are a beloved son of the most high King. He's chosen you. He's adopted you into his family, but that you're, you're a son of our heavenly father, or you are a beautiful daughter of our heavenly father. And I, I think speaking gender over them is really important when they're young and not just child of God in this season, even more so Mm. son and daughter and, and having those curious conversations about um, why do you think he made you the way he did and imagine what kinds of things he's going to have for you to do. And so I think when they're young, just speaking over sonship and their their daughterhood. And, and then I think as they get older, um, the world is telling them that this is a choice, right? Mm-hmm. But God already chose this. And so I think when they're young and they come home and they, they're having curiosity questions or confusion questions, we can say, you know, who told you that? Did God tell you that? And this is why hearing God's voice is so important and discerning God's voice. So these have to be conversations we have about everything, yeah. um, whether it's stealing or lying or being mean to somebody or I'm ugly or I'm fat or whatever. Did God tell you that? Or did somebody else tell you that? And um, God asks the same question to, to Eve in the garden. Who told you that? Because she had it wrong when she was relaying to God what the serpent told her. And so who told you that? And maybe, you know, a little kid down the street told them that. Or maybe I have these thoughts in my mind. And and going back to scripture that, no, this is what God says about you. And what God says about you is the truest thing. And then I think even as they get older, older, preteen, or when they're actually making decisions about what they're going to do with their thoughts, I think we have to be patient because a lot of kids I'm finding in my ministry and teenage preteens and teenagers are declaring different sexual identities and gender realities um, for attention. Maybe they don't, they don't stand out in the crowd. Uh, Maybe they're not popular, but now I'm a young girl who says, I think I like girls and, you know, people are curious about that. And now she's a little bit more popular and um, people want to hang out with her. And so getting to the heart of it, is it, 
is it a is it a genuine attraction or is this I feel lonely and isolated? And these come out in conversations because I think there has to be trust that's built before we get to those stages to have those genuine conversations. But I do think as parents, we can't panic because, um, you know, from a psychology point of view, this is a, this is a small um, percentage of people who actually have same sex attraction or, or gender confusion. But right now it's popularized. So we think that, you know, everyone is struggling with this. But I actually think our students and our kids are struggling with other issues and they're wanting to fit in and they want to belong and um, they want to be known and they want to be loved for who they are. And the home is such an important place to establish those things really deep and um and have those that trust built so when they go through these storms, we weather it with them. Mm. I walked alongside of a children's pastor friend of mine whose daughter um, kind of struggled all through high school. And she walked with her and she just kept declaring who she was and she created an open space. And um, when this daughter went on to, to college, um, she you know went she went on her first date with a with a boy and and um she called her mom and and she said you'll probably be happy because i'm i saw a boy and she said i'm i'm not happy because you went out with a boy i'm happy because you're living in the tourist reality of who god created you to be and i know that is the place where you're going to be happy and thrive in this world mm-hmm. and so we kind of need to take the conversation off of gender sometimes and identity is is bigger than that. It's it's fulfilling what God had in mind when He created us for this life, mm. and that that's where genuine fulfillment and joy and happiness comes from. Mm. So what I'm hearing you say is slow, is patient, is walking alongside. And I don't know if I heard this directly, but you know I'll, I'll throw this in too. Of like it's as much as you can say this is not the the issue is not the issue. Don't. I wouldn't encourage saying that to your kid. No, you're not. No, you're not attracted to that person. I don't hear you saying that, Michelle. But it's 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 the time and the slowness and the listening to hear. Okay, is this a genuine? Like you said, is this a genuine? Yep, they've been wrestling with this um, their whole life. Or is this something that's you know? Okay, is this is this a core need? We talk about core needs here. Just that's, you know, to be seen, to be known, to be loved. And and this is a way to experience that. And maybe there is some, you know, we all have broken sexuality and it feels good to be liked and noticed and physical connection feels good. So right. is this a genuine, you know, thing, but it's really, you don't even have to do the litmus test of that because it's really trying to get anyone, no matter if it's genuine or not, to help them, no matter how they're wrestling, connect to the heart of the father. And then whatever he calls them to marriage or singleness, you know, and we believe here marriage is, you know, between a man and a woman or singleness equally valuable. What matters is their identity and rootedness in Christ, however they're wrestling. Yes. And I love that you said singleness is an option too, because I do believe that we have, the church has always elevated marriage, but we need our families and our homes. We need to elevate um, celibacy and singleness, um, just as Jesus was celibate and single, but we have to elevate that as an option because we are broken. We live in a broken world and 
if there is a genuine brokenness there that they can be celibate and single and still fulfill what God has for them, we have to celebrate that. That's not like second best. Mm -mm. That's that might be God's plan. And I love that one of the spiritual gifts is celibacy. And Paul talks about this and we can be single and serve the Lord in the midst of that. But yeah, these, these conversations that we go, that go far deeper than our actions, like what's really going on inside and a safe place to do that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if somebody's listening and they have teenagers and maybe they didn't build that trust, or maybe they didn't know the Lord when they were, li- when their kids were little, or they, they, you know, they messed it up. And we talked about the gospel at the beginning and how grace fills our gaps, you know, and, if we don't have that street cred with our kids, find someone who does. Somebody, there's somebody in your child's life that um, maybe knows Jesus that has that. It might be an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent or a coach or a counselor or a youth pastor who who does have that street cred. Mm-hmm. And allowing them to have that conversation together mm-hmm. is also important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you're too go- far gone for that, Jesus can go anywhere at any time (laughs) and just pray your head off, guys. That's where I feel like I'm at such a new, probably, I don't know, I'm a desperate place as a parent and and disciple maker of people where I'm just like, Jesus, I need you so much. I can't figure this out. So could you, I've heard from a friend who is a big uh, follower of yours, fan of yours. I don't know how to say it exactly, but she just said you have a gift of blessing people. You just have a gift. Like you just did that over the parent who's like, I don't have the street cred. Um, so I would just love, do you have a prayer or a blessing um, for those of us who are parenting, mentoring, coaching, pastoring? Um, and we are, we want to help our kids to hear the voice of God. We want to love them well. Um, will you please help? Will you just say a prayer or a blessing over us um, as we battle this dark world with the hope of Jesus Christ as we love our kids? Absolutely. So um, parents and grandparents of all, of all shapes and sizes that are listening today, may you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that your heavenly father loves you. And it's in that love for you that he has given you everything you need in Christ Jesus to raise the children that he has entrusted to you. And he believes that and he is supporting that with his power and his mighty strength. And he has left his Holy Spirit here to indwell us, to comfort us, to encourage us, and to teach us. And so may you rest in knowing, in confidence, that the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you. His word tells us that he gives wisdom to those who ask, and he never holds back, that he will give abundant wisdom to you in his time. He will will confirm his ways He will do and accomplish his will in your family and in your children. And you can rely upon that. You can also take him at his word when Paul says, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. That is not only 
true for you as a parent, but it is true for your children that he will be faithful to complete what he has begun in them. So surrender to him today in full joy that this is not on your shoulders alone. May you get involved with a community of believers to support you. May you look to Jesus every day as first in charge in your home and in your life. And may you enjoy the joyous journey of following him alongside your children to his glory and for your good. I pray these things over you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Man, Michelle, thank you so much for blessing us um, with just a taste of spiritual parenting. Guys, go check out this timeless book, Spiritual Parenting, and Michelle's site, michelleanthony.org, for more resources there. Yep, yep, yep. Michelle, thank you for blessing us today. Uh, God bless you. Yeah, thank you, Lori. Oh, man, guys, go check out Spiritual Parenting and Michelle's site, michelleanthony.org, for more great resources there. Um, Guys, we do have a question of the week for next week. The very own Matt Creek helped me come up with this one. Because we have little kids and we went to the zoo yesterday, so it's this. What's your favorite zoo animal? I am excited actually about this one, thinking about how we have a global listenership. And so are there different animals in zoos around the world I don't know I don't know stuff so I'm sure there's no way of knowing not on the Google or anything but we are only going to get the answers from you so hit us up on the socials Uh, find me Lori Krieg thanks again to Michelle Anthony and for all of us here at the Hole in My Heart podcast we will see you next week